Creativity flourishes with support from others. This conversation was delivered in proud partnership with Hackneywick and Fish Island Creative Enterprise Zone and Economy of Hours. Enjoy. Welcome to Girl, Get a Real Job, a podcast series by Women of the Wick, a platform amplifying the visibility, voices and work of women, trans and non-binary creatives. I'm your host, Sara Karpanen, a multimedia artist, a writer and the founder of Women of the Wick. Girl, Get a Real Job is a space where we normalize money and business talk as artists and creative practitioners. To continue the conversation, please find us on social media at Women of the Wick and Girl Get a Real Job. Now, let's start talking about the real worth of our creative work. Hello, hello you. This is our 10th and final episode of our first season at Girl Get a Real Job. Wow, time flies. I'm so incredibly happy that you've been a part of our journey so far. For today's session, we've got something very special. This episode was live recorded at our Reimagining Creative Work panel discussion in Hackneywick, organized by Economy of Hours and Women of the Wick, and hosted by me, Sarah. I hope you enjoy it. Good afternoon, everyone. Can you hear me? Yeah. Cool. Hi, everyone. First of all, thank you so much for bearing with us with our last minute location change. Basically, we'd set up a beautiful uh, set up at Grow for all of you guys. And then uh, something outside of their control happened that meant they had to close the venue temporarily. Um, so through the power of the Hackney Wick and Fish Island creative economy, we made some phone calls and Mainyard kindly let us come and uh, use this space. Um, so yeah, thanks for finding us and sticking with us and sorry that we're starting a little bit late. Uh, my name's Sarah, I'm part of the team at ECHO, um, co-organising this event with Women of the Wick. Um, and I will hand over to Sarah and our panellists very shortly just to say very quickly um, just how the evening will run. The panel will go for probably about 45 minutes or so. You're then welcome to stick around for a drink, uh, chat, networking, if Grow is back open again. Some of us might head over to the jazz that we were very excited about, but we'll find out and let you know. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoy your evening and uh, meet someone new and um, enjoy getting to know our panellists. So I'll hand over to Sarah. Thank you so much, Sarah, and thank you so much for all of you to um, for for coming here to our event, reimagining creative work uh, panel discussion: how to thrive as a freelancer post pandemic. As Sarah said, this is um, uh, a collaboration between Women of the Wick and uh, and Echo Economy of Hours. And I'm your host tonight. I'm Sarah. I'm the founder of Women of the Wick, a community and consultancy elevating marginalized voices in East London and beyond. And why creative freelancing and, and why especially to focus on the future of freelance work? I just want to uh, make sure that everyone can hear also in the back. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, nearly one third of the workforce in the creative industry is freelance. Um, which is the largest number of freelancers across all industries in the UK. And as most of us have probably also uh, personally experienced, uh, the freelancers were the hardest hit by the pandemic in the creative industry. So Echo and Women of the Wick wanted to come together and invite local talents, creative freelancers, entrepreneurs, and ask their opinions um, how the pandemic has influenced or impacted in their practice, and also how they envision the future of creative work. Um, so, uh, without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to our fantastic uh, panelists. I'm going to sit down and um, yeah, welcome Natalia Musa, who is uh, uh, a, a, a DJ, artist, activist and founder of the Organic Afro Community. And here is also a local artist, Emily Hana, a multimedia artist with a residency at Hackneywick Overground. 
uh, on my right, Simone Letzi, a photographer, director at Camera Work London Limited and Create Studio in Hackneywick. And Adelaide Loomer, DJ, cultural curator, director at Braun, um, Born and Bred um, and community manager at the Good Growth Hub. So please welcome our fantastic panelists. To kick off the panel discussion, I would like to ask you first, all of you, um, what has been uh, the biggest challenge and uh, your biggest perhaps achievement in the past year and a half? Whoever would like to start um, with the first question. Hello. Um, I'd say... My my biggest challenge over the last year has been taking the leap uh, to you know quit my job and actually start freelancing. Um, however, I'd say that's also probably my biggest achievement at the same time. Um, like it was it was quite a terrifying prospect to to do that, but. Um, it probably wouldn't have happened if it hadn't been for COVID and I hadn't been put in, you know, the place of being on furlough for six months and having that kind of head start doing my own work every day to actually make that jump. Mm. Mm. my experience it was really difficult finding cash flow because I like many creatives fell through the cracks um, of the government support systems and really having to go back rethink everything that I've done and remarket myself as another um, set of skills was really really challenging to try to find income um, and then continue the work that I want to do you know now that things are opening up um, I think that's also been really um, kind of a kind of a gift of being able to see that I am actually a lot of things besides just the creative that I am um, and that I can reshape and reinvent myself to get things moving but now I think it's moving more towards the fact of okay cool I've got this other income stream that is giving me stability but also now that things are opening up I'm starting to get more clients um, from my DJing um, and how does that work so there's been a lot of you know a lot of shift in mindset and um, being able to just reinvent and remarket and re-network to find a way forward where I can survive Amazing. Is there anything else? Um, yeah, Simona, how, how did you experience? Um, thank you, everyone. I think for me it's a bit different because, uh, you know, advertising basically doesn't stop. It stopped for, for a while, so regulations were a bit different. So I think that the best challenge was to, to stay safe, to have people safely working, and also not to... Uh, basically kill all the streams of income because I travel quite a lot for photographs and uh, so I mean how do you travel with your kit and not getting diseases and stuff so uh, the sustainability of processes for productions to work in, in photography film uh, was quite thriving but it ended up well for everybody I think everyone is kind of safe no I mean Tom Cruise says that so yeah. <laughs> um, I think in terms of um, myself um, working across so many streams of income and um, it's been extremely challenging because I've had as well being on furlough for quite a while in my previous role um, and managing a business as well with other individuals ensuring that you know we had cash flow coming in to pay bills um, it forced myself to kind of look outside of the box and find new opportunities on how to bring in new income especially with 
taking a leap to reach out to people which previously I would constantly wait for work to come and it gave me more of a um, stepping stone and it made me believe in myself and my practice as well to take that leap of faith and start emailing people so I think without the pandemic however it's been so bad I feel as though it's given me the opportunity to look outside of my comfort zone and to take new kind of challenges within my stride and kind of better myself with that. Um, without the pandemic, I wouldn't have 100% never have done that. But also looking at how I can grow my business with my friends as well. We had a lot of conversations of what growth looks like and how we can do that in the next six months or however long or what main goals we wanted to achieve which we are slowly kind of achieving them but I think without the pandemic I wouldn't have been proud of myself to take those leaps and do what I probably wrote in my you know to-do list to accomplish um, within that time so yeah I would definitely say taking the leap of faith. <laughs> Amazing, and it's very interesting to hear that almost everyone's practices were shaped by the pandemic. And also, like Emily, you said, you took the leave and actually became a full-time artist because of what happened during the lockdown. Now, could you kind of, um, yeah, expand that a little bit more? What did you learn, and what perhaps tips could you give to others who are, um, yeah, kind of wondering whether they could take that leave, and yeah, how did you actually manage to do? that um so it was really interesting when i first got put on furlough uh gosh what a year ago year and a half ago i don't even remember anymore um i for the first week was terrified because i didn't know what that meant and i also didn't know how to be that still i suppose um and so you know it took me a little while to actually ease into it but then after that i started painting and i had never really painted before i mean not since university um i'd always you know i've been working as a printmaker for the last four years um and so actually having the time where i had to stay in my house and you know that was the only thing that I could sort of do to keep myself occupied. Um, I learnt a lot and my skills developed quite rapidly and I started putting things on Instagram and all of a sudden people were buying paintings from me, <laughs> which was a wild concept. Um, and if it hadn't been for, you know, having a good sort of six months over the year, to actually work on my own uh, projects while still having some kind of pay from the government. I mean, even though it was less than what I was used to, it was completely fine. It was wonderful because it, it helped me get out of debt. Um, I think that was the, the biggest thing for me uh, in allowing me to actually start doing my own work was for the last sort of six years I've sort of being crippled by debt um, and having nothing to spend my money on um, and having a sudden additional income, uh, it really kind of helped me dig myself out of that hole, put some savings away and then kind of also realized that uh, there is a potential to actually make work from what I've wanted to do. I never really thought it was a possibility. Um, and so it was a real kind of shift in perspective uh, on how I could actually approach things. Um, and when I got called back into work the second time, um, after about a week, I started having panic attacks going in there because I just realized it's not what I want to do. Uh, and I was so much happier, you know, being in my studio and painting and I just, kind of snapped one day and I just went in and quit and yeah I haven't looked back since I'm doing like a little bit of uh, freelancing on the side as well as you know selling my paintings um, and it works out well because 
I can make that call myself. I can choose which uh, opportunities to pick up and what I want to be a part of and actually shape the work that I want to do rather than being forced into something and, you know, so structured. Mm. I think that is the thing that I love the most is being able to choose when I work and what I work on. Mm -hmm. Amazing, and you mentioned the um, the government support. Um, have anyone else had any anything, any other experiences, help from someone, whether that is a person, a mentor, or an organisation who have helped you to become the kind of practitioner you are today? Okay, I'll take it. Um, I think the the best help. Uh, comes from collaborators in this period you know uh, in, in my opinion collaboration reshaped a little bit you needed to choose carefully which collaborators you wanted and how to collaborate in a different way how to make it sustainable and and also where to ask for help no, because you get overstressed and, and stuff. I, I don't want to focus much on um, the economic impact or uh, uh, grants or uh, um, help received economically because, of course, that's important. Everyone has a different uh, experience, but for sure, for everyone, was a lot of calls, a lot of emails, a lot of time spent into it. But at, at the end of this year, I think for myself and, and the business, because it's shifted, I mean, it's, it's divided between creativity and, and business. So there's, from one side, the insecurity of the creativity and the need of security of business. So, um, thank you. The, the deciding what to do. And needed help so you need to call a collaborator a friend a colleague also can be a competitor because you can join forces together when when you need um, to understand how to move on you know uh, you if, if you close someone else can close uh, can be a studio can be a business can be an idea a shared group concept so um, I I'm, I'm Italian and I need and I work there a lot and I work here a lot so I saw the two different sides of uh, receiving help from government and how the different creatives have been impacted by this and I, I think London is um, anyway uh, way ahead for uh, creative jobs and the industry so uh, I think I've been lucky to be here and working here but um, I really hope to see the end of the next year to um, to understand what was the real impact for creatives and freelancers and businesses in creativity to to understand that and I think that's it. I don't know if you want to say something. Yeah. I think um, I put my um, my other hat on, which is working at the Good Growth Hub, which is just over there, um, Hackney Bridge. It's been the support that the government's given to younger people, specifically like with the Kickstart program and having um, kind of sustaining larger businesses to ensure that they can employ work staff within their companies um, in order to give them experiences but also to open up opportunities um, in longevity so not not only are not only has the pandemic understood that within these creative industries that there is a lack of representation diversity but also there's there needs to be that kind of open door to the industry and with the kickstart scheme and other schemes with internships and traineeships um this has been kind of a a safe haven for young people to apply for roles as well but then kind of gives them an insight to whether this could be something that they want to do if there's a role at the end of it and I think that's been really helpful for younger people I know there's a bit of a hindrance in terms of age brackets but um, there have been a couple of organisations that have been given like kind of no holds fee 
grants that have been kind of just given to individuals but it, again it's that accessibility of understanding where that money is and how how accessible it is how how the forms work and etc and that within itself is still a barrier however I guess there are organisations such as like Good Growth Hub and Create Jobs and Echo who are opening up those barriers so that individuals can seek where that money is. It's not, it's no longer a secret. I felt like before the pandemic, whenever you were kind of accessing free money, it was always like, oh, I never knew about that. That's a secret. Free money is like amazing for the, I guess, previous governments that gave a lot of it away but in this pandemic it's just like gold as a gold mine to find someone who is offering a scheme to support your small business which there are a lot more opportunities for that now which I feel it's been a kind of kind of double-edged sword in terms of a bad pandemic but then a lot more people are starting small businesses how can we kind of nourish that how can we grow I guess give out some money to support that so I feel as though within this sphere it's been bad but, but good at the same time so yeah yeah perhaps it has also brought us together and really to ask these super important questions and I kind of want to continue what you said there Adelaide about changing the different hats as often freelancers do and so you are the community manager at the Good Growth Hub uh, at the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park as well as you started your own zine which is a legendary uh, girls collective um, you're on NTS radio shows etc like how do you I suppose how do these roles complement each other and in terms of just managing your time how do you how do you do it all I'm I'm still trying to master how to manage my time across all of this I've been working and um, doing my business for about seven years now collectively with friends of mine I've known practically my whole life um, and I feel as though we all understand that growth is supposed to happen within a business however we're still even seven years in really scared to take that final leap to be like I'm gonna quit my job and I'm going to you know go full out which a lot of you are <laughs> I'm, I'm very um I want to jump on that bandwagon but there's still a lot of fear simply because of the changing tides of our like our environments in terms of buying houses or ensuring that you can pay the bills month to month although DJing and curating is so fun it's also so unpredictable simply because of budget cuts and understanding that you have a specific fee that your collective needs to kind of receive in order for us to stabilize and grow but then I guess when you're working with large organizations those budgets aren't available to support what you're doing or do they under do you have people in positions who understand the importance of organizations such as like myself um, I feel that Currently, with what I'm doing, it's always been kind of edged in that I want to support younger people who don't see individuals like myself, a black woman from South London, doing what I'm doing or, you know, traveling previous pre-pandemic around the world to DJ for hundreds and thousands of people. I think I continue doing it and put myself through so much stress, giving myself grey hairs, simply because I want to be that visible face within various different spaces that young people like myself can feel welcome to step into that room. Um, I think visibility for me is so important that I can work in spaces like the Tate or the RA who had never kind of had black women like myself programming in their space it's so important that I guess small businesses are given the access to funding so that they can amplify their voice wherever it needs to be amplified but also giving other black 
LGBTQ plus individuals who don't have access to those spaces, the confidence to kind of do that. So I feel like managing my time is something I'm still trying to master with a full-time job and also taking on projects. Um, I just feel like I just do it <laughs> somehow. But then I've got five other people I work with um, but then still they all have responsibilities like children and they marriage and I d it's just so much that we need to factor in but somehow we make it every single Tuesday at 7pm to have a chat about what needs to happen in our quarter so finding time I guess just blocking it out and ensuring that we can do it keeps has kept us going somehow <laughs> um <but> yeah <laughs> A passion probably as well yeah. for the love of music um, and Natalia I mean you have experience in obviously DJing as well and you kind of jump-started your career you used to be a primary um, school teacher secondary school teacher and uh, yeah what kind of tips advice would you and you I know that you've got amazing tools as well we shared a couple of them already just before the panel discussion you know how you've learned your way um, as a freelancer and also finding those opportunities that may be quite tough to find in the beginning when you don't know anything about how to apply for funds and anything else so yeah well I'll just give it over to you um, I just wanted to speak a little on the previous question, which was just about the um, mentorship or the access to grants and things. So as I mentioned earlier, I unfortunately fell through the cracks and couldn't get any funding. So my story is completely the opposite to yours because you were able to explore your creativity in a sort of a safe financial environment, which I literally, my creativity uh, in terms of music production completely shut down. Um, and I could not get myself into the right frame of mind and the safety and comfort to actually create, um, which has been devastating, uh, as well as, you know, losing your gigs, which is, you know, your outlet and, and a piece of your soul. That's been really tricky. Um, but one thing that did sort of help, I mean, in terms of the grants, although I didn't have access to them, what happened was a lot of small businesses realized they needed to be online. And they need and they needed ways to reach their communities um, digitally, and that's something that I'd been doing for ten years plus, but seven for seven years with my um, organic Afro community group. So I already knew how to use um, the power of the internet to reach people, and that's what helped me to get my freelance work in marketing um, with change making uh, enterprises and companies because all of a sudden the world went oh god we need to be online we need to be digital uh, how do we navigate this um, people who've been in um, their industries you know for a very long time who've only been working analog who've been doing the face-to-face -face tactile work um, didn't really know how to approach this new digital world but I'd already been accessing this you know a lot of creatives have to shout out about their own work digitally anyway because it's a free platform um, where we can showcase what we're doing um, so that sort of helped me to at least secure some sort of money uh, income monetary income during you know after a few months which put me actually in a negative position because I'd had to find ways to pay my bills without having that income so I'm still paying like you know playing catch-up for those months where I had absolutely uh, no government support but at the same time I've developed this clientele because of the necessity to get digital and be and and get connected to the people um, you want to be supporting um, and championing um, during you know during and now after um, the pandemic has really um, run its course and it still continues to do that so there is a lot of focus on developing online presence within businesses um, and it's yeah so that's that sort of helped me to shape up my freelance stuff which has then gotten um, secured my secured my bag um, for that time but yeah like in in terms of tools and things I mean email 
<laughs> email is just a very fascinating thing um, when we really think about it because you can literally get into someone's inbox miles and miles away. We can now work. Um, we can now work with and collaborate with international um, collaborators. Yeah, just like at you know, at the drop of a hat, we can do that, and we can now people are now normalised to accessing people via Zoom. So I re I remember um, when I first seven years ago when I was thinking about how I'm going to you know run this organic Afro community and how am I going to uh, you know um, transform this into my like organisation. I was like my clientele were all around the world, but none of them were really ready to. Um, get consulting like hair consultations over zoom because everyone was used to going to a salon and having to be in the space but now people are more open to the idea of receiving knowledge um, digitally and having a Zoom conversation instead of having someone like right in front of you. So, I mean, that's been beneficial. Like the, those kind of tools are very, um, very powerful. And we we really underestimate the um, shift in mindset and the amount of and people who are ready um, and willing to access you via via the Internet. I mean, it, it's absolutely phenomenal. And like when we when we talk about um, shifts in culture and and globalization. You know, there's so many. There are you know negative aspects of that, but really, it's incredible that we can shift information so quickly um, around the world, and people being able to access that. Um, we need to start broadening our horizons. It's not just our local. Like we're not just a local artist. You're once you have a Facebook profile, or once you have an Instagram um, profile, or once you're um, on LinkedIn, you're literally accessing millions of people around the world and there are people who are looking for your services they're just one click away like literally one click away so as long as you are showing up and doing what you do and showing people what you do like you know sharing your work um talking about you know the different grants and continuing on with your collaborations as long as you're putting that out there and communicating in a way that the um the people who you want to work with are able to receive that um literally like there are the barriers have been dropped um, and we can really connect and work with whoever we want to work with if we position ourselves properly and if we're talking about the work that we are doing. Um, so really, um, I would say, you know, in, in terms of your tools, physical networking is ob obviously important because you, you're able to learn about some someone and whether their values match your values um, so that you know where you can move forward with and what um, what you have to offer that person or that group of people that you want to work with um, but also putting that out there like knowing what you want to work towards like what you um, what you're trying to achieve with your art or your creativity that can help you figure out like what are the institutions and the organizations that you're willing to work with because then you can say um if you're for example if you are really into um you know eco eco-friendly transport solutions and you're really into you know cycling then you can literally be like cool i'm obviously there's an um eco side of your values that you can tap into and the voice that you will give to any project that you do that's about you know sustainability um, and renewable energy or anything that's to do with uh, con conservation of the environment you're going to be able to tap into that in a way that no one else is going to be able to tap into that because it's literally from your core set of values so like the big like the biggest biggest tip is like in terms of tools is like sit down with yourself and figure out what is it that you really care about write that down know and know how you can contribute to making the changes to get that um, value achieved or actualized in the world because then that will lead you to finding the organizations that you are willing to work with um, and positioning yourself in that way so that's like literally the, the biggest thing that will keep you 
um, happy or satisfied, even if you're not doing the sort of exact creative work that you want to at that point. If you just need to make money and you need to make it quickly, um, then you can figure out what you're willing to do to achieve something that's closest to your heart and who you're willing to work with to do that. So yeah, I hope that, that makes sense. <laughs> Values, and I'm really glad that you touched on the topic of inequality as well, as it's not all rainbows and sunshine. And and at the Women of the Week, we are super passionate about tackling inequality in the creative industry. There isn't a single industry where women are paid the same as men. And also amongst freelancers, there are um, there is a gender pay gap around 20% amongst men and women. There are also around 30% of uh, women who are freelancers. And I'm interested in hearing Simone's take on this topic, <laughs> especially. Um, yeah, if, if you have also seen this happening in your industry, in photography, um, yeah, what's your take on it? It's 16 years that uh, I'm a photographer and so um, I've kind of seen pretty much the decade changing a little bit. I'm, I'm, I have to say that uh, the last two years, you know, Me Too movements and a lot of different campaigns and and, and things have, have have changed a little bit, and and London is way ahead uh, of uh, many other cities uh, specializing in my field, now in photography or advertising, because um, there's um, uh, multiculturality, multi-religion, multi-sexuality since many many years, um, and so uh, people are uh, comfortable to to. Um, uh, to try new things, to uh, to understand the, the, the diversity and to to give uh, equal rights, but um, also I think that um, uh, a major part have been played by the major players. Now let's say uh, British Vogue changed um, their creative director. Uh, which is um, uh, a genius and is a black man. So they started to have more covers with diversity and different colors and different ideas, different cultures, different mixes of ideas. And that's uh, affected also the lower ground you know, where you have younger creatives taking a, a job and every day there's one more and one more and one more. And in my opinion, in creativity, in art, in in publicity, in, a, in, a, in anything that needs to be created. If you don't have diversity, you don't have diverse ideas. So uh, there's no point to earning more where everything is the same. So uh, I'm, I'm really happy to see in, in the studios or, uh, I mean, I um, th there's a lot of jealousy in art, in photography as a business and, and it can be classist as well. Uh, I'm not like that because otherwise I will be mad every day in the studio seeing beautiful uh, artists <laughs> shooting like a, I will just shut the doors and, 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 and kill myself but I cannot, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of neutral and, 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 and I prefer to, uh, to learn from that, you know, like um, to, to see, wow, this is 21, where is he from Nigeria, wow, that's crazy, you know, like uh, it cannot be always self-centered and in only one direction part. Paris, Milan, London. No, no, it has to be global. So, uh, in, in, I mean, in five years' time, I've, I've organized um, a festival in Italy where we invite people and uh, that are photographers, directors, and stuff. And I'm discovering uh, beautiful photographers from Morocco that I didn't know they were existing, and they are starting to shoot Vogue covers globally. So. I think the equal pay is something that will will disappear soon because um, I mean good art, good creativity sells the same and uh, and also music is leading that you know most of the beautiful music and beautiful videos globally are um, 
and multiracial, multi-ideas. So that's the only way I see uh, photography going forward and mixing even more and even more with medias, differences, and also the themes are, are, are way different. You have people from all over the world working in advertising, but again, um, the, the, the equal pay and the differences uh, is something that belongs maybe to, to someone older than us and that still is um, a, a level above. So, um, I mean, we are taking the chance to get that level, to get older and, and also to, to change a little bit the system from the inside. So I'm positive about that. That's great, thank you. And also, I think, um, especially photography is quite known of its um, well inequality, but also having uh, free internships, in unpaid internships. Hopefully, this is changing um, across all fields, of course, as well. Um, now, a question to all of you. Um, do you think that the future is still freelance? After all these experiences, if you could quickly give your, well, short takeaway on the topic. Adelaide, if you can start. <laughs> um, yeah, of course it is. And just as you discussed about photography in particular, freelancers basically make that whole world roll naturally. Like, um, you never have the same person shooting the same cover constantly, or you never kind of contract the same photographer um, consistently across various different magazines. There's always new, younger, fresh talent coming and shooting and um, new styles across various different magazines. Also there um, in television as well, um, specifically within creative industries, there are new exciting individuals who are creating things beyond our world I think um, the ideas that individuals are coming up with um, is innovating how we see creativity um, now um, and it also drives other individuals to take their spaces so other than being extremely fast led it's also extremely competitive and you constantly want to ensure that you are creating the best you can possibly create therefore i feel as though in the net well now we are constantly going to be taking from that pool of freelancers to navigate your cameras to to shoot your favorite films to shoot your or create like clothing music and individual everything across creativity needs freelancers so 100% it's going to be something that is probably going to take over the like kind of permanent job roles um i think it's a great ecosystem to build on as well because then it allows individuals to build new businesses start new startups we're not looking at the same corporations to lead that conversation anymore so you're um specifically like your sky news we're having new outlets that's being born out of freelancers and striving for difference to cover so many various different topics that are not being covered in the world right now so um a hundred percent like freelancers rule the world joking but it's just like it, we do need that ecosystem to consistently change in order for us to grow a new diverse equal space to um thrive in I'd actually like to expand that question a little bit more. Um, now, also, we've heard the um, about the struggles as well as the highlights of the year of the last year and a half. Um, what could the industry do, or other organisations, or community groups, or even the government, to help freelancers to thrive? Again, in a concise way, because I want to leave a couple of minutes time for Q and A and questions from the audience as well. Um, 
I think I totally agree with Adelaide. Like, it's already here. Like, people have already realised during furlough they had that opportunity to explore their creativity and they're like, hell, I could actually be happy with the work that I'm doing. Um, I don't have to go to work and feel like crap every day. Um, and there's another way to exist on this planet besides being a slave to the corporations, um, to be quite frank. But, yeah, like, that's the, this is the thing. Like, this is the movement of people finding their freedom, connecting with what they truly care about, connecting with what they feel good doing. Um, and people just aren't happy to settle for doing the same old shit that's for something that is destroying the planet or not or contributing to inequalities around the world. People aren't happy to do that. And creative people being able to see outside the box and think and dream of better futures because of their ability to imagine are the people who are leading the way in that because we can visualize something else and we can actually chase that dream. That's a gift that we've been given and it's something that leads other people to believe that we can change the world and by being able to access your truth, live your truth and provide your truth to the world to inspire others, that's how we, you know, that's how we create change that's how movements are made that's how policy is changed through that energy and action but one thing that the you know the government can do and, and communities can do I think is really educating um, creatives and freelancers on how to um, build yourself financially and how to take care of the business side of things or even if they you know because that we were even talking about it earlier like hell yeah it's fun to be in the studio for eight hours a day and come out with this amazing creation but then oh shit i gotta get paid for this uh and how do i do my invoices and when do i pay my taxes and like all of the stuff that you literally don't have time to do because you're busy creating the thing is often what ends up pushing us out of can, uh, of remaining in the freelance space or moving towards getting a limited company because we're a little bit fearful of this whole money machine because we don't have the actual access to the education um, and the skill set that we need to push on with that. Whereas if you, you know, if you're an accountant, that's that world sort of already makes sense to you. So you're like, okay, cool. Let me do my limited company. I know how to take care of my books. But when you've been a dancer for 20, you know, 20 years and you want to open your studio, um, you know how to create the space that is going to produce the next generation of amazing dancers, but you might not necessarily know how to keep your books flowing and the cash flow um, maintained so that you can actually provide your services and be of service to your community. Um, so that's really something that I think obviously the education system needs to be completely jacked uh, <laughs> jacked up for what it's like um, being a disservice to um, but in terms of yeah like we just need to get our financial um, ducks in a row so that we'll be able to thrive and when we thrive communities thrive like you you're, we're sitting in Hackney Wick like I moved here to Hackney Wick five years six years ago and when I moved here you know this wasn't here like all of the creatives are what brought value to this space and now we can't afford to live here because we don't have the income we don't have the the streams of income to support ourselves to actually be living in the space that we actually brought to existence culturally which is completely mind-blowing but this is the reality that we are living in so there needs to be like a creative business movement we need to be helping each other find the tools and the resources to be able to sustain ourselves so that we can keep on being ourselves creating and inspiring the communities around us as well as internationally because now that we can reach other people there are there are you know people all over the world who are literally being able to access our our art and be inspired to make their own art or um, make change in in the communities that they're in. So it's like there's so much potential. The government needs to support the uh, education around financial state uh, financial skills, and then we'll be able to actually thrive instead of the whole struggling artist um, stereotype being what you're sort of 
embracing yourself like you literally i don't know personally like when <laughs> when i when i decided i was going to become a musician and i was going to be an artist um that's something that i in my head i was like okay yeah i'm just going to have to struggle for the rest of my life but we don't actually have to struggle because if we just get some business skills work with people who have business skills who believe in our mission it'll be easier because we can keep ourselves fed and we'll have that security to keep on thriving so yeah that's basically where, what we need to make it happen that's beautifully said beautifully said and i just actually want to remind at this stage that um the panel discussion will be available on spotify and itunes next week on girl get a real job podcast which is part of the women of the week and i would like to open the floor now for questions so if you've got any questions to our wonderful panelists before we wrap up yes there is a question would you like to yeah i can hand over the mic to you I don't know. <laughs> should I come up? Um, I maybe I should. Oh, thank you. Hi. That's your job. Um, I'm Ishita, and I'm a poet. Uh, I'm based in East London, and I opened my company like <laughs> you uh, during the pandemic last year. Um, we basically use I I uh, um, my company we use poetry because my heritage is Bangladeshi. So uh, we use, use heritage language and poetry to kind of process mental like um, issues and um, you know mental health and poetry and how it can work together, that sort of area where I've been working on. And I've gotten very good response, but just like a lot of you said, money is a thing. And um, my question to the panel is, as a poet, uh, because you know, publication and doing you know poetry recital is not our focus. Uh, it's more using poetry as a tool to connect with communities and individuals and people who are isolated, older generation, young people. That's sort of sort of our niche. Uh, and the way to go forward is collaboration with dancers, with artists, with you know different companies, uh, boutique companies that work on different areas and my struggle has been doing things pro bono to kind of prove uh, our worth and also obviously to make French friends and network and all of that um, but then where do you draw the line <laughs> where do you ask people you know well I can't do this for completely free at least you know um, how, how, how do we approach where do you draw the line when you're trying to grow work across discipline um, yeah I think that's my question <laughs> to the panel what an excellent question. I thought, just thought that maybe Adelaide would like to answer this as uh, you've been working in the field for quite a while. Um, so this is really interesting because, um, was it last week, Tuesday? Last week, Tuesday, I got an email um, in my inbox <laughs> from a very popular brand who said, I, to this day, I just can't believe that you still have, you know, large corporations and sometimes even small organisations who um, use exposure as pay, as if to say, I can cut that up, put my um, put it on my plate and eat it for my dinner or pay my rent with that, you know? So I think how I have personally navigated these questions and these requests from individuals is you kind of have to give yourself a tier. You have to set maybe physically a tier that, you know, you have smaller scale organizations, you have friends and family who are, you know, starting in the early stages of their businesses that do need support and would like maybe your collaboration. You have, charities who you know you have a specific fee or there is a um, negotiation in kind of reciprocating something in return 
or kind of um, highlighting what you were doing. There's always that kind of negotiation factor without any financial, but more of a networking balance. You have larger organisations where, unfortunately, in this capacity, although it is exposure and you may be in the beginning of your career, you have to ask yourself, I know this sounds so like, I don't know, airy-fairy, but you have to ask yourself, honestly, is it worth my time? Am I going to be putting in more work or am I going to be spending more time where I can be kind of inputting things into my business into their growth, you know? So you have to look at it as a balance, as is this output good for me? Unfortunately, you have to be quite selfish in your in your response. No is okay. <laughs> Flat out. No is fine. And then there's negotiations on, I can do this. However, then you can kind of negotiate what you would like to get out of this. Then there are just larger brands that, I don't know, they have a... Um, they have exposure that you feel that you could use. And at the point, <laughs> this is kind of, I've never personally done, no, I have done this. It's like, to a degree, you need to kind of show people out. I, I see it on Instagram all the time. I hear about it. You see it on large platforms like Diet Prada, who are literally, that's their platform now, to literally out people. And you, you should be honest to them about why your no is your no. I'm a small business. This is my passion. Although it may be poetry, it's still yours, you know? It's still a physical output that you need to spend time on constantly, hours writing. Therefore, it's your job and it's something that you spend your time physically doing. It may not be your physically making clothes, your um, drawing hours. It's something that is physical to your yourself isn't it it's an output therefore it needs to have a fee attached to that and there's nothing wrong with explaining why your no is your no and i would definitely um recommend that whenever you are in that position where you feel as though you want to kind of say yes you have to remind yourself that if you sent an email back to them and said i'd like to do some work this is my fee can we collaborate on something you know think of all the the kind of scenarios in your head would they actually come back to you and say yes we can pay you x y and z because we believe in you your vision and your business you you kind of have to look at it in those various different steps and maybe those tiers in order for you to understand you know where you are where you are at personally in order for growth and i think as early as you can say no so that you kind of can set a boundary in where you are as an artist i before i never used to say no i used to be like the rest of my friends oh my gosh you'll be so good we can do this i i won't say the brand but um i remember djing for a specific very popular brand for five hours and they paid us 50 pounds so you know like in all honesty like i am very I'm very like confident to say to you now that I would never, if someone told me, I had a friend who told me actually, and she's a very big DJ now, she's massive, that she DJed somewhere and the individual paid her £100 for six hours. And you have to think to yourself, exactly, jaws are dropping, but in that instant, you should say, that would you go to work now in your full-time role and allow someone to say i'm gonna work for eight hours i'm sending emails be jumping on zoom calls to get paid for a hundred pound no therefore in your personal life would you actually say yes to doing that yeah <laughs> such good advice i would also like to add there that um you know if they are approaching you you have something really valuable to offer and you can definitely ask and ask yourself you know could i get paid for this and the answer is probably yes then yeah you're the power you are the power yeah absolutely i think we might have time for one more question or is okay quick question one more quick question any questions on the floor 
Okay, if, if not then, I want to uh, thank uh, for our fantastic panelists and also our really wonderful crowd. Thank you so much for coming here and thank you so much for sharing your beautiful knowledge and experience with us today. <laughs> Can I hand over to Sarah? Thank you so much, Sarah, and thank you to all of our panellists for all of your insights. That was, um, yeah, super interesting and really helpful. Thank you. Um, so we're going to end in a second just to highlight a couple of things. If you are a creative freelancer or if you're um, a creative business or you're looking to get into it, just to highlight a few things that could help you that are available locally. Um, so first of all, just wanted to also thank Hackney Wickham Fish Island Creative Enterprise Zone who supported um, this evening. So they are helping to create a sustainable um, creative sector in Hackney Wick and they're doing lots of important work behind the scenes. Um, also just wanted to mention Echo, so Echo is a great platform if you are looking to learn new skills, meet new people, don't have a huge budget, it's a way that you can uh, share your skills. I think Adelaide or someone mentioned a, like a fair exchange, so on Echo everyone's time and skills are valued equally so you can offer an hour of your time, earn a credit and then access an hour of, of skills from somebody else. So that can be a really great way to help you to build your project or your business. Um, so you can find us online, we're at Economy of Hours on Instagram and economyofhours.com. Um, also check out Women of the Wick, um, at Women of the Wick. Sarah does lots of great stuff locally to support um, to support creative businesses. Um, and you can probably find all of our panelists on Instagram via either Women of the Wick or Echo. Um, also to mention the Good Growth Hub, which Adelaide mentioned, is going to be opening over at Hackney Bridge very soon. Um, and that is going to be offering loads of support to freelancers, small businesses, young people, everybody, I think, to, to grow their businesses in a kind of sustainable and positive way. So um, keep an eye out for that. And finally, yeah, thank you to Main Yard for having us, um, or Bar 90, whatever this place is called, for having us at a very last minute notice. Um, and yeah, to grow for helping us in spirit. But yeah, thanks all for coming. And please do feel free to stick around, grab a drink, chat to someone that you don't know, chat to our panelists. I think we can stay here as far as I'm aware. So feel free to enjoy. Oh, oh, the programme, sorry. Into, oh, we can stay here till seven and then we'll go to grow. Okay. One other thing I forgot is um, we put some flyers around for our new WIC freelancers program, which is starting in September. So if you are a freelancer and you're looking for a bit of a network, a bit of support, um, if you're feeling isolated in what you're doing, we would really recommend checking out this program. Um, so it'll be hosted by Echo, um, Veronica and Nikita will be involved um, and probably me as well. Um, so yeah, this program will connect you with a group of other creative freelancers um, for fortnightly sessions where you can kind of share challenges, develop solutions together, help each other collaborate. Um, Simone has been on one of our programs before, so you could ask him about that if you want to. Um, but yeah, do check that out. The deadline to apply is the 30th of August. Um, but yeah, otherwise, stick around until seven and then some of us might go over to grow. But thanks everyone. If you liked this episode, please review it or share it with a friend.